This is the whole Zivy Mark show, and today my guest is Brett the Wizard, Yakubushi, rude specialist and natural energy worker, unique perceptive metaphysical. I bring a unique perspective to the table when it comes to all things energy work. Through my unique life experience, I have seen and experienced both immense highs and light situations to the extreme dark or low situations. Although all I have learned now, keep it positive despite all odds, tools, techniques and practices were paramount to my success in advocating the minefield of trauma I had to endure. Today, through the use of ruins, turret, talismans, stones and crystals, woodworking, level work, mindfulness techniques and practices developed by myself, I'm working to assist others in helping themselves by passing on the tools that are relevant to them. The grand scope of my work has allowed me to work with terrestrial and non-terrestrial entities alike with tremendous success. For its true love and appreciation of all living energies can a true understanding of how interconnection everything is to be achieved. To achieve this aim, it has taken a great deal of trauma on my behalf, but I truly have no hard feelings towards as I have made the choice on how to perceive, work with it, understand it, and learn from it. For though the fire of experience is a path of life forged, I aim to be a guide, healer, protector, and beacon of light, love and posterity for those who are willing to learn or show a willingness to change for the better. If I can go through what I have in my life and come out motivated to make positive thing, changes, others can too. And hi, Brett. Hi, how are you? I'm okay. Can you explain a little bit more about what it mentioned in the bio? Well, uh, I'm a neutral energy worker. Uh, well, first off, I guess I have to explain the name. Uh, I call myself a wizard uh, because I fancy myself a modern-day wizard. Um, you met In my bio, I mentioned a couple of different techniques that I use. Well, when you think of wizards, you think of somebody who is a... Uh, a general practitioner of the arts and sciences. Well, guess what I do? I mix a bit of practical techniques, i.e. cognitive. So I've used a bit of hypnosis in my work, a bit of psychology, a bit of NLP, body reading, that kind of stuff, massage, that kind of stuff. And then I then mix that with the intuitive aspects of what I do in my work, which, why? That's why I call myself the wizard, because I work with all different faiths, all religions, belief systems, that kind of stuff. And it really, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it, it's a path that not many are willing to walk because it involves a very different point of view. So now we move forward to the neutral energy work part. Why I say a different point of view? Because when I say neutral energy worker, I mean, I, I literally see everything as unbiased. I treat whether it's a quote-unquote white entity or a quote-unquote dark entity or positive or negative emotion the same. You have to have both in order to exist. You have to have both in order to have that balance. That's what life is all about, is both balance. And so with that being said, neutral energy work for me it's not just a practice. It's a way of life. It's a way of living, thinking, breathing, because it, you just can't do just for a little bit or a ritual. It's, it, you you got to encompass it in your whole life in order to be able to do it effectively. And, you know, and I, I use all those different tools. Like I said, I use stones. I use runes. I use tarot, pendulum, straight mediumship work, uh, you know, kind of whatever I really need to do. To, to get the job done for the client's needs or my own needs. And that, that's the unique thing about it. You said earlier you went through an experience that changed your life a little bit. Can you 
Are you willing to explain to people what that experience was? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how how, how deep your, uh, your listener base is willing to go, but I can keep it relatively relatively light. But um, what started it all, I mean, I guess as a kid, I always had what I would call gut feelings whenever anybody would be hurt or be, you know, have been in an accident or sore or whatever, that kind of stuff. And I would usually be right. I'd usually be on the ball about it. And so then fast forward a few absolutely random um, experiences, you know, seeing shadows, seeing lights in the sky, that kind of stuff. Fast forward to uh, middle of October in 2007. Well, uh, you know, it was a whole day of events, and I know we don't have a whole lot of time, so we're going to kind of, going to kind of shorten it slightly. Uh, but with that being said, um, I woke up at 1:43 in the morning, and there was a, a blinding light that was outside my window. And my window sits on ground level. I know I was out in the country. I still am. So you know, at the middle of the night, if something goes by with high beams, it's generally hear it or see it. Uh, but this here came from up in the sky and came down. So that woke me up and it was pretty quiet. And next thing I know, I started feeling these waves of kind of directional fear being sent my way. That's the only way to describe it. It started out at the base of my spine, kind of where your, where your root chakra would be. If you know anything, if, if your listeners know much about that. And it started wrapping around, like as if it was being very directional, directed towards me to try and paralyze me. And uh, and it gradually got stronger and stronger and stronger as the time went on. And then, you know, then it's, it's getting pretty bad at this point. And the next thing I know, I'm hearing drumming on my window that sits eight feet up off the ground, like fingers drumming on the window and then you know then I start to I'm a little freaked out at this point I'm not sure it's good and then I start hearing like cooking noises and you know I've lived out in this area my whole life I know what animals are up here that sound like I'm like that doesn't sound like anything that's here that, that's native to this area I'm like no no it's not good and uh, and then you know they kind of stop and the fear kind of stops a little bit. And then what seems to be about 10, 15 minutes away, 10, 10 15 minutes pass after that. You know, like that your patio was you know inch and a quarter old floorboard, so they creaked every time you walked on. Well, my significant other. Her back was to me. I was facing the wall. So I knew she wasn't walking around. And we didn't have any kids at that time. So I know there's no kids walking around. We don't have any pets. And you just hear. As it gets closer to the bed. Oh, my heart's going to run now at this point. So I'm like, what, what is this? What's going on? You know, there's something in my room, but I don't want to look. And then I feel this warm breath off the back. Sorry, cold breath off the back of my neck. And that freaked me right out. I jumped out of bed, tried to swing at it, and all I heard was that, wow! And then heavy footsteps, followed by, you know, how you'd imagine if someone went with, like, the, the old Stargate sounds when they go through Stargate, as, you know, and then they hear something away from the house. And, you know, then I basically didn't sleep at that point for the rest of the night. And all my, you know, again, this is Cole's own version because I know we don't have a lot of time today. Uh, but, you know, all the clocks in the house were off. Uh, like my cell phone battery was dead. And my significant so other cell phone battery was dead at that time. Like everything was all dead. And so that then started you know, two years worth of experiences where 
they kept coming back, and then another group after they were done kept trying to come back like once or twice a week. And uh, yeah, that's how I went down the rabbit hole and how I haven't come back yet. Must have been a pretty scary time. Eh, it was at the time. And, but now, you know, that kind of stuff is, well, not quite as that intense, not every day, but, you know, with what I do with mutual energy work and negotiations and that kind of stuff, it's, that's what I do is I negotiate with energy. Because life to me, doesn't matter whether you're, you know, white, quote unquote, or dark, quote unquote, everything has, a, you know, in my opinion, everything has a chance to live, to keep the right to live. It's not for me to say what, uh, you know, what's right or wrong. It's not for anybody else to say what's right or wrong. You know, everything has an equal right to live. And so, you know, it's, uh, that, that's what it's all about. It's about that balance. It's about, you know, holding things that are of value and that's important. And that whole experience, like, it sent me down the rabbit hole that I haven't come back up yet. And uh, if I had a lot more time, I, can, I could go into a lot more detail about all the, a lot of, even just around that specific experience. But yeah, it, it, it's quite a, quite a heavy experience for those who don't believe in that kind of stuff or who are unsure of it, because there's a lot of detail that's in there. Meet it. You, you know, as hypnotists say, it doesn't matter whether it happened or not, because it's real to the person who perceived it. And I can tell you it's very real with everything. Again. Well, I can understand that, because, as you probably might know or not know, I had a near-death experience myself. Ooh, wow. Uh, and uh, and that, was, that was probably pretty intense as well, wasn't it? Yes, well, basically I went into a coma because I had a blood sugar of one, two, four. And whilst I was in the coma, I heard a woman's voice I'd not heard before or since telling me to wake up. And I had the most overwhelming yep. feeling I've ever, ever had to wake up. Now, I seriously believe that was my spirit guide or guardian angel. And people can tell me until the cows come home about every science explanation possible. But I will keep saying I completely believe it was someone helping me from the other side to come back. Yeah, well, probably because it, it wasn't your time and you still had a lot of work that you had to do right here, right? That you here you had to, you had to work on in this realm before, uh, you, before you have to move on. So. Well, that's why I call myself uh, Ghost Man, because basically when I was in my coma, I was never, neither in the real world or the next realm. So technically, I was a ghost. Yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, you were somewhere in between, right? Yeah. Although well, it was, I didn't feel it. I knew it. Does that does that sound strange? No, no, it doesn't sound strange at all. Because I, as you know, to follow up that experience, you know, I I do a lot of remote viewing and all of that. So to to be, you know, for you to tell me something like that really is not all that strange at all. And, you know, and the thing is, is what really starts getting crazy is when you can, when you've mastered remote viewing and timeline viewing, that kind of stuff, and you're able to still be here, present in the human world, but then also be elsewhere, be in that in-between, be on other planets, be in other timelines, and aware and interacting and all that other kind of stuff all at the same time. That's where it really starts getting interesting, if, if, you know, if that ends up, you know, if you get to that, that level of energy. Well, I'm a great believer that uh, one of my theories, and it's just a theory, is that um, God, or whatever you like to call him, is like a, 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 a ball of energy. And when we die, our energy joins the, his energy like a hive. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's funny you say that because uh, there's a hypnotist, uh, you know, because uh, you know, probably some of your listeners haven't heard 
heard of me or heard some of my exploits, but my father's a, a hypnotist here in Canada with the National Brother Hypnotism. And um, he recommended a book that I read that he had. And it was called Lives Between Lives. I forget the author. But it was about this hypnotist where he has certain case studies where it's about, you know, he puts people, certain people, like very highly intuitive people, or all he ever says is certain criteria that have to be met. And, you know, and he puts them in between reincarnations or in between that. And just like you said, you know, they go up to this place. They uh, do, they, you know, there's a certain process that you have to follow after you leave the human vessel and before you come back down again. And, you know, joining like the hive mind or your soul family to share your experiences, to learn from what others are learning from their time on Earth or on other planets or timelines, not just Earth. And, uh, you know, when you join with all that hive mind, your soul family, that kind of stuff, and come back down for that crap. So, uh, you know, absolutely. That, 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 you know, your, your take on it is probably the most excellent take that is probably the easiest to swallow for the general populace. Because it's simple, it's short, it's sweet, it makes sense. Well, exactly. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm an overly religious person. I do believe in the power of prayer. Because it's funny. I always find it funny that when we people are in a moment of crisis, and I conclude myself in this because when my wife was ill, we all turn to prayer, whatever God you want to believe in. I I find that comforting that everybody does that well yeah i mean because ultimately whether you call him uh you know jesus jesus allah god um i forget what the hindu problem you know the natives the greek creator it's all the same source it's all all the same source energy that everything comes from both light and the dark and you know and to have a belief that one side is better than the other or one person is better than the other is, you know, in my opinion, a little out there because we're all created equal regardless of whether you're, you know, you're Hispanic, African descent, Asian descent, Caucasian, young, old, male, female, um, you know, and for the sake of being politically correct, you know, something in between. Transgendered, whatever you know, like we're all created equal, we're all created the same, we're all created the same stuff, just you know, we just look a little different. That's it, and so that's you know, that's that's where my belief that all life is sacred and at all possible if life can be preserved, do so, you know, and that's not just human life, that's animal life, that's for trees, that's. So everything is meant to have that balance. Everything is designed to live in harmony and balance, which is important. Well, I find it strange that also that we're going through this recent heat wave at the moment, and I seriously believe global warming is a real thing, despite what some people may believe. And I think that, we, like you said, we have to wake up and realise what we're doing to our planet. Yeah, yeah, well... I mean, because the Earth goes through its own natural warming and cooling cycles anyways, right? It's just, with us doing what we're doing, we're, we're speeding things up faster than what the Earth would have done naturally, right? And unfortunately, you know, it is resulting in a phenomenon that can be called global warming because it seems like things are warming up at an exponentially faster rate than they ever have been. Because it's true, all those all the chemicals we put into the air, it's literally destroying the ozone layer. So of course, the more sunlight that gets through the ozone layer that protects us from all the, the radiation, you know, the UVA, UVB rays, the gamma radiation, all that stuff that, that the sun emits, it's, you know, that filter that we had around the earth is getting smaller. So of course, we're going to have more available heat hitting the earth. And so, you know, it is very much a real thing. It's just 
what we're do, what we've done to the environment, what we continue to do to the environment, is just speeding it up a lot faster. I see when you read your book, you, I see that you like helping others through your teachings. Can can you give me some examples yes. of how you've done that? Well, I, I I actually have two seminars that I run. I'm looking. I'm putting together a third. Uh, but I, you know, I did do some paranormal investigating for a couple of years to while I was uh, learning my abilities, basically while I was like, hey, you know, I, I actually feel things and hear things and see things and. I can see the past, see the present, see the future, that kind of stuff. So I turned to paranormal investigating to figure to to practice what I was what I think I could figure out. Compared um, the evidence that I was collecting via my you know my full spectrum cameras, my Gauss meters, my audio, excuse me, that kind of stuff, and then comparing it to what I was feeling. And what I was experiencing in my head and my emotion and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, out of necessity for the local region, my one of my first seminars that I that I started up last year, the year before, well, it was last year was the first one, was uh, just Paranormal 101. You know, everything, every person who wants to investigate the paranormal should really know. The basics, the proper etiquette, that kind of stuff. And then I then wrote a mindfulness techniques and wellness techniques one, which everybody wants to know how to look for everything, but nobody wants to know how to actually take care of themselves, which is kind of pass backwards if you ask me. Uh, but that's just the way things are. And before all of that, I've helped well over three dozen people, four dozen people now, which doesn't seem like much. But these are just the ones that I've taken my, my work, I've done with them and run with them. I've helped hundreds with, you know, through my, you know, they'll sit down with a reading and then I'll help them develop the wellness techniques, the mindfulness techniques, so that they can be healthier, they can be happier, they can be a better, well-rounded person. But only if they want to. I'll, I'll give you the little nudge, I'll give the, the client a little bit of a nudge, the little push. But in the end, ultimately, my techniques revolve around them doing the work themselves because it's like anything else. Like, I, I, you know, I refer to it because of my current situation with, uh, with in my life. And, you know, nobody's going to build my empire for me. I have to rebuild after literally losing everything. So nobody's going to help me rebuild my empire because the only person that I can count on to build in my empire is me. And I got all those tools through my, my past life experiences. And so I now help others discover their own tools so that they can help themselves in a more efficient and effective manner. I know a little bit about mindfulness because... I have OCD, and I had a did a course for um, on mindfulness, and also I practice Tai Chi, which is like a form of mindfulness as such. Yeah, it is, and you know, and the thing is, is to to suffer, to work through the suffering and the situations that I had to work through, I had to turn to the intuitive arts to do what I to to be able to survive, to be able to keep my own sanity. And thus, that's what sparked my mindfulness techniques that I've started. And, you know, I have tried to write numerous books and I get so far into them and then I scrap them just because I just don't like the way it's turned out or something about it. I'm a bit of a perfectionist that way. And, you know, I just finished doing uh, a big investigation a few weeks ago down in Hinsdale, New York, which is just a little backcountry location. But uh, it's very active with ley lines and ET and other kinds of stuff. And that's going to be the basis 
for my book that I'm going to be seeing through from start to finish because who doesn't like stories about someone who has seen various haunted locations, who has had upfront experiences with ETs, with uh, extra dimensionals, with, uh, you know, I, I do believe I've come in contact with a couple of cryptids in my, in my travels, uh, but I can neither confirm or dial because I have no. No, I had no video camera, I had no audio, I had no, like it was too dark for the cell phone to take a picture, so did I really see what I saw? I really don't know. I, you know, I know what I experienced, but I don't know what, you know, I don't have anybody to confirm what I saw that next thing. And so, you know, it's, you know, I'm basically trying to use my experiences as a, as a means of trying to help others. And I think that's a good thing to do, because... I th- I, I'm a great believer in karma. I, I seriously think if you give good out, you get good back, and vice versa. Yeah, and and that that's important to do that because you know I, you know I'll admit I'm not a I'm probably not the best looking guy in the world, uh, but you know like with what I've done, with the changes in my life. You know, I'm like beating the women off with a stick sometimes. Like it's, you know, and all I'm doing is just being a positive individual, you know, helping people where I can. And does that mean I'm, you know, yes, I, you know, I run a business. I, I run two, two businesses and work full time, actually. Uh, but, you know, does I, I am nowhere near anywhere set where I got it I'm, I'm in the midst of rebuilding it. and it you know but the contacts I'm making the people that I'm working with you know that's what all this experience is about and you know every person that I help even if out of one out of ten people actually take my guidance seriously then I've done my job if I make one person smile in the day I've done my job. If I, you know, make my kids when I have my kids, you know, if I, if I, I hear, you know, you're the best daddy in the world or we had fun today or, you know, just being a positive influence in their life, then I've done what I've set out to do. And so, you know, you get what you put out. That is, that is very real because we are all products of our own choices of our own environment. And, our environment is what we make it. What? You can choose to look at a, at a glass of spilled milk as spilled milk, or you can try and look at it and go, oh, okay, I guess i got to get some more, find a positive way to work around it, learn from it, and move on. Well, I, I like the philosophy of Star Trek, that um, the Vulcans, uh, Spock, helping, if you can help, I've changed it a little bit, I, I like to think if I can help one person, I've achieved something. Oh yeah, well, and that, and that, you know, that's that's important because if everybody just helped one person in the world daily, and that you know they kept getting paid forward, we would have a continuous wave of people helping one another, right? At least I would like to think so, anyways. Yes, and I like. I always like, and I know this is going to sound strange. You know, when we have our Mrs. Day, and I presume you have the same over Canada or America, that we all respect the two-minute silence. Yeah. And for two yeah, minutes, the whole yeah. world is united in quiet and harmony. Yeah, we do that on uh, on November 11th at 11 a.m. That's that's Remembrance Day here in Canada, and uh, you know we do that to honor specifically the soldiers that died in all the wars who continue to keep fighting. Uh, but you know, really anybody who's given their life for a good deed—that's that's the way I see it. Anyways, um, am I saying that war is a good thing? Well, it's not really, uh, but. Unfortunately, human nature has uh, has control, 
and so war is a, a prevalent thing in today's day and age. But that being said, though, you are absolutely correct. You know, the entire world for two minutes just quiets down and honors the dead, and that and that that's an amazing thing for something like that, just for for one day, right? I mean, it's neat to see when that happens. It really is. If I was an alien, and I was looking down at that particular time, I would be deeply impressed. I, I would like to think so, because, I mean, we're always looking for ways as, as a race on how to, you know, mess one another up, hurt another person, you know, steal from somebody, you know, whatever, or try, or the opposite, you know, always trying to help somebody, trying to be a positive influence, you know, both sides of the coin, because you need both sides of the coin to have balance. And, you know, they're probably, when that happens, they're probably sitting there scratching their head going, what? Normally they're trying to off one another. Well, why for these two minutes on this day? So, yeah, I would be scratching my head if I was an outside observer looking at this. That's for sure. I know I would be. I think it's just because, as you said, we, 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 what, as you mentioned before, war is not a great thing, but we have to be realistic. I wish there was no wars in the world, but I'm a realist to know that that situation probably never happened. But, yeah, I, I just like to think that I look at it this way. I never used to think like, doing with Emirates, I'll admit that. But then I looked, looked at it and reflected a little bit and I thought, well, it's on, not only honouring the people that, uh, the, the soldiers, but all the people that, the the civilians and that died in the war as well. And yeah. we were honouring the fact that they were there, they lived, they existed on both sides, you know, because, you know, they, most of them didn't really want to be at war. They were just doing what they were told to be there. Most of them didn't want to be there. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why I don't see Remembrance Day as just remembering the soldiers. I see Remembrance Day as remembering everybody who's passed, who has left a footprint, who has, you know, who have, sorry, I speak good English, don't I? Um, but uh, you know, I, I see that as just as an opportunity to give thanks to everybody who's passed, who has made a difference in the world, both positive and negative. Because both have to be honored, both have to be recognized. Right? And you are absolutely right. Unfortunately, from a, real, from a realistic standpoint, given our current economic or global economic situation, uh, global political situation, unfortunately, conflict won't go away anytime soon. It's too ingrained in human condition to want what your neighbor has without actually working for it. And unfortunately, that's the prevalent, um, I guess, theme would be the word for it in the human condition which because it's amazing because we're capable of such good such positive things but we're also capable of such destruction I always find it funny to spend more money on killing each other than trying to cure each other oh yeah well that's yeah it's sad and then even you know, I, I, I'm not sure, entirely sure how, how like your your drug systems and everything work over there, and your healthcare, whether it's privatized or whether it's, uh, you know, subsidized to some extent, whatever the case may be. But uh, you know, like you know, I I have, I you know, I'm a I'm a healthy guy. Yeah, I have a few little things here and there, but. You know, like I, I have a benign cyst on my back that I've had ever since I can remember. You know, teenager, non-cancerous, never been infected, and 
ever caused an issue. Uh, but you know, I, in, you know, in Canada, we have generally, you know, our healthcare is paid for by taxes, right? We, it's part of our system. Well, because it's a non-life-threatening uh, cyst, they're like, if you want to get removed, it's considered a it's considered a cosmetic procedure at this point. You have to pay for it out of pocket. I'm like, okay. So what you're trying to tell me is that I'd have to be dying before my healthcare system that I pay thousands of dollars into through my taxes won't cover it because it's a non-life-threatening issue. Doctor's like, yep. I'm like, okay. So, you know, and like that's the other thing is, you know, part of being mindful and having those wellness techniques in check is about keeping everything in balance, not just within your environment, not just within your relationships, but also within yourself. And so if there's something going on, you got to deal with it. Don't just let it sit there and grow and grow faster and become something that you now can't deal with because it's been sitting to it. Right? Nothing ever just goes away. You know, you got always got to be doing something about your issues or your conflicts or your challenges. And you may ask for help, but don't expect everybody to help because ultimately it's up to you as the person who's experiencing it that needs to do it. Well, I found the same with my OCD. I've, I mean, I've, I have still got it. I mean, it's not really gone. It's still the little worm in my head. But I do try to not give in to it as much as I used to. I, I do different techniques to dissuade it a little bit. And I, I, I don't think it's always good to admit that you got it, because people think, oh well, it's, it, it, but it's the same as being alcoholic or drug taking or whatever, or gambling. It, it, it's the same kind of feeling. You, you, you know you got it, and you know the triggers. So sometimes I admit it. I try to avoid those triggers. I mean, it's it's similar, like, you know, like, it, uh, you know, like the hypnotists and the, and the, the practice of hypnotism, like, you know, one thing that I, that I help guide people through, you know, I am not a registered hypnotist, I'm not a registered therapist, so any of the work that I do do is just kind of the general practices that I've taken that I've seen that work for me that may work for my client. And, you know, that's one of the big things that if you know what your triggers are, whether it's an emotional trigger, whether it's a physical trigger, you know, whether it's a psychological trigger, if you know what those are, you can work to remove the emotional attachment to it that is causing that trigger to be an issue. Right? And that's why I call myself the wizard, because yes, I delve in the intuitive side, but, you know... I, you know, when I first started doing this and that sort of balancing the two, I kind of referred to myself as Merlin for a little bit there, just as a big joke, right? And so I was out hiking one day, and I got the, I got a really nice walking staff, like, like you saw in the picture there, that, for the, that post that I, that I gave you. I made that myself, and it was uh, early spring. I was out for a hike, and I got called a lumberjack wizard. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, because I was wearing my red plaid, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, go, you know, you know what? I am a wizard. Because I practice everything. I practice balance. I practice both the cognitive and the intuitive side. And a big part of that is knowing what your triggers are for your addictions, for, for, for um, emotional responses you know, such as pain and anger and that kind of stuff. Because if you can avoid those triggers or can you, you can remove the emotional attachment to that, it now all of a sudden is no longer an issue. I think some of mine may have been influenced by my parents. I think a lot of people would say that. Because unfortunately, my mother 
did have OCD and she had um, anxiety as well. Not her fault. I mean, basically, uh, she had um, problems with her skin and she had weeping skin. And when she went to the doctor, the doctor turned around and said it was all in the head, which obviously is not great to be told that. But years later, they did, they did find out she was did have allergy towards certain perfumes. So I blame the doctors a little bit for it, uh, making her a little bit like that. Yep, yeah, well, and, and, you know, the thing is, is it, like, you know, you know, in that day and age, you know, when the doctor said it was nothing, you believed him because we didn't, you don't, you don't have Google, you don't have all the resources to look at it now, uh, like, the, like you do now, right? And so, you know, when the doctor said it was nothing, you were kind of inclined to believe him because... You know, hey, he went to school or she went to school for this for for years. So you'd think, you know, they're talking to them. But, you know, they're human too. You know, they make mistakes. I make mistakes, you know. My kids make mistakes. And you know what? We can learn from them and move on. Like, that, that's all you can really do from mistakes so that that way there you don't repeat it. Because if you if you repeat it, you haven't uh, you haven't learned from your mistake. Well, I believe in honesty. If I've made if I've done something wrong, I own up to it. Say like I you know I've forgotten something. Like I forget. Sometimes I might forget things because I have um mild small vessel disease of the brain, which affects my cognitive skills, and like memory and things like that. It's only like a low form of it, but it it does affect my life tremendously. I try not to give in to it, but obviously sometimes it takes over. Well, yeah, well, understandably so, because when it's when it's a neurological condition such as that, you know, yeah, it's it's a challenge, and you know, and from what I what I. You know what I read about. You know, like just just read up on you what what whatever it was. You know, listen to. You know, I, I listened to part of one of your other podcasts, and you know what, and you have it together considering what's going on. And you know, you made the choice to not let it absolutely rule you. Yes, it has a big influence on you, right? But again, it's gone back to a choice. You can either let it completely dominate you or you can work with it and do the best you can to be successful in your life while while managing and that that that's probably one of the biggest things that i took away from my whole experience that i try to teach everybody is that it doesn't matter how hard you think you have it you always have a choice if something happens you always have a choice you know if uh you know, like, I, I could have laid down and took everything that was going on with me, but I, I instead I took a choice to, to make a change, make a positive change. I stayed positive throughout my experience, which was key. I'm still positive, even though I still got a long road of rebuilding and legal things that I have to still chew through. And got to be realistic, yes, but you can still be positive while being realistic at the same time. So if you have a, a negative outcome, you go, oh, well, that sucks. Okay, how am I going to get over this? And then you figure out a, a solution, work through it one step at a time, and, you know, try not to dwell on it, try not to let it consume you. Just work it through one, one, one step at a time. Well, me and my wife both say you know, that it, it's easier to give in than it is to keep going. Is it's always it's always easier to give in than people, and that and that's you know that again that's part of human nature, right? Like, ironically, the biggest tool in any sort of metaphysical defense system that you can ever have is your willpower. 
right? Because the human willpower, the human will is indomitable. You cannot, you, you know, if that person has their, their mind or heart set on something and they don't want to give up on it, there is nothing in the world that can stop this person from achieving, whether it's a positive or negative. But at the same time, if that person makes that choice to give in, which it's usually the easier of the two choices, almost always is. You know, that person is making the choice. And, you know, that, and you can't make that person's choice for them. That the individual has to make their choice. Why well, don't that care work? Because, as I mentioned before, I used to work with severely mentally ill people. And I had when he was lucid. You had I had really interesting, fantastic conversations. So I learned, basically, that you shouldn't judge people. You're not. They're not the illness. They are a person. Oh yeah, and that and that's just it. Is uh, you know that's that that's that's why I call myself the neutral energy worker is because I look past. The intentions I look past you know what that person that energy that being that creature has done to see what's going on and you know I have a you know a little sketchbook that you know I call my grimoire probably have the most appropriate title for it uh, but you know back when I first started my understanding like my way of trying to understand everything was as I was seeing it, as I was experiencing it, I would draw it out. I would write what I was observing. I would document. And it's nearly full. And really, I could have three or four full with the number of different beings that I run into on a daily basis. But then I wouldn't have any time to, to do that. And, you know, and I have successfully situated myself in the metaphysical realms at a point where I am truly neutral. I'm sitting right in the center of both sides of the quote-unquote light and the quote-unquote dark. And I'm, you know, I'm helping both sides so that both sides don't have to fight one another. And, you know, unfortunately, according to standard convention, that's not the way it's supposed to go. The light is supposed to be at war with the dark at all times. Not the two go hand in hand like like they used to well back in the day. And you know, that's the way I kind of work. Well, I have a very strange theory. I mean, it's only a theory. That I, I think that God is schizophrenic. Basically because in the Bible, or wherever you, wherever it's quotes, that we're made in God's image. And we are both good and bad. And I think that God is both good and bad because we, both, we, we need both energy forces to learn from. Oh, that's precisely it. And it, I, have, I have the key saying, which falls right into that, that... You know, I, I write in runes, and that's giving me my next tattoo. And, uh, of course, the tattoo is going to be in the runes that it's written in as well. But it's without darkness, there is no light. And then if you read it the other way, it's without light, there is no darkness. Which is right, which is wrong. They're both the same, but you need one to balance out the other. I and, think that... Uh, I think it's intentional. I think it's because we have to learn from, our, like you said, from our mistakes. I've I've done things in my past I truly regret now, but it that that mark was back then. I'm a different mark yeah. now. I'm not that mark from twenty years ago or thirty years ago. No, and thing is, is we need those experiences to learn from, right? Because if you don't learn from those experiences, you wouldn't have growth. You wouldn't have change. 
and that's and that and that's important is to keep growing and keep changing. Because if you don't grow and change, well, guess what? Then you're just stagnant. And if when when you're stagnant, you're not doing anything productive with yourself. You're not doing anything productive within the environment. It's just not a good thing all around when you're not being productive, when you're not changing the world. And that's, you know, I, I have a silly saying that if, you know, if I don't learn something every day, well then I might as well be dead. <laughs> Sounds well, kind of silly, but. No, I, I, that's why I sent you that thing about the healing. I thought it was very interesting. I found yeah, it, it, I, I found it on a, a um, something I found on Google, and I thought, wow, I just like that bit. It's from a, another, it's a thing, it's from a, a bit about spirit, spirit, spirituality, sorry about my words, um, yeah. near-death experience, and it was, it was a little, a long bit, and I just found that one bit, it just drew me to it, I thought, wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it's the, there's this one um, there's this one hospital in I forget where it is. Is it is it in Asia? Asia or Europe? Where oh. it's a strictly energy work based heal like hospital and. They, you know, this news crew went in because they, they you know, of course, you had to hear about it, right? Like, you know, people being miraculously cleared through nothing but, you know, energy work and prayers. And, of course, a lot of people, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. Well, but, you know, like they did this thing where they had an ultrasound running on a tumor. And they, you know, they did this circle around the patient and they, they were doing this ritual. And as they're doing this ritual, they, you could see on the ultrasound, the, the tumor disappearing. And apparently that's what all this hospital does, is that kind of stuff. And, you know, regardless whether it's true or not, hey, you know, lay on hands healing, uh, remote energy work. You know, like I, I've, I've done remote healing and energy work with people where I don't tell them what I do. All I say is that I'm working on them and then you know, in a day or two, I then ask how they're feeling, what's going on, that kind of stuff. And then, you know, guess guess what they're saying is is uh, happening to them, is everything that I'm saying when I turn, everything that I did, you know, they, they felt it when I didn't tell them what I did. So, you know, like, Energy knows no single space and time. Healing knows no space and time. Like everything exists in cohesion to the point that you can effortlessly heal and remote work and not have to worry about running into anybody or anything that isn't there to give you a lesson. Do you think that we got our ability? Well, my I I think that most of our abilities to connect to the paranormal, cryptids, UFOs, and whatever, comes from early man because early man had to be perceptive to his environment and and nature. He had to perceive everything. I think a little bit of that is still in us, in our brain that we. We don't realise that we're using it, and I think that's that bit is what we tap into sometimes. I believe I believe that every human being can do that. You know, there's certain people who are a bit more geared towards it, and you know, yeah, when you're in a survival situation, when it's fight or flight, of course, it's you know your your instincts are going to take over, and early man, we're just highly intellectual and rational animals. And so when you're constantly in fight or flight and you're constantly hyper aware of your surroundings, you will develop abilities and 
you know, in our brains, it's there. In our bodies, it's all there. You just got to know how to tap into it, tap into the unconscious mind to be able to, to access all those abilities like everybody should be able to. We always hear stories of how mothers suddenly get superhuman strength to lift up cars or something like that if when their kids are in danger. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, because like, my theory behind that is that, you know, they on a subconscious level communicate with their environment and the environment helps them with, say, lifting power up or maybe it's straight adrenaline. You know, I can't say for 100% sure because I, you know, I haven't seen it and I haven't been able to observe something like that happening. But I have heard the stories. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, seen the videos of people doing it. But I haven't actually ever seen it in person. So, you know, it's all there. The, the blueprints to be a superhuman is all there. It's just we have to access it. That's it. Yeah, I, I, I seriously believe that we, as human beings, will develop more and more our skills. And there is a theory, I think it possibly could be true, that aliens are not, are really us revisiting ourselves. Yeah, I, I've heard that, and even from some of my friends upstairs, I've heard that, where... You know, the greys are just us, you know, 15,000, 100,000 years, 200,000 years into the future, or they're time travelers, or they're, you know, any number of different theories. But yeah, I've heard that from many different experiencers, as well as I've seen it on TV, I've seen it, it's on TV, it must be true. I mean, isn't that always the way it goes? It's not like Facebook. It's mm-hmm. on Facebook. It must be true. <laughs> well, uh, I've got a great example. Now, don't take this offensively. Yeah. It's not meant to offend anybody. Yeah. But when you look at your the President of America, Trump, he reminds me a bit of, of Hitler. Not the bad side, but the way he is able to communicate his rhetoric with people because Hitler had that great ability of connecting and influencing people through his speech and rhetoric that he used. I'm not condoning what he did, obviously, but but you've got to remember how he he, he tapped into what the people were feeling at the time. And I think that's why I compared Trump a little bit to Hitler, not completely, but that way, if you know what I mean. I I know what you mean. And uh, back in high school, in in my leadership class, you know, I went to a Catholic high school. So, of course, you know, anything to do with uh, the wars and that is frowned upon. And so I had to approach my teacher about it because our final project was we had to do, you know, a famous leader of some sort, you know, how they came into power and that kind of stuff, right? And it's funny that you mentioned Hitler because I had to sensitively approach my teacher who was part Jewish. So that that was a sore spot on that already. And uh, I had to approach him gingerly about you know, writing about how Adolf himself went from being just a lowly party member within the German government to being the party leader in just a matter of years. Like, not, you know, not like 15, not 10 years. I mean, like in a matter of like four or five years. And, you know, and like literally you could hear like a pin drop in the class as I was doing my presentation. And, uh, you know, I, I got nearly 100% on that presentation. And I had to kind of give that same disclaimer. 
I'm not supporting what he did. I'm not saying he was a good person, but you have to look from a leadership perspective. A single man went from being a nobody to being the head of a country in less than a couple of years. You can learn from them. Same thing with Trump. You know, the, you know, he's tried and failed numerous times, but hey, you know what? He set out to do what he said, and I know some American friends will uh, disagree with this. You know, he said he was going to fix the economy. Well, he's fixed the economy. He's pissed everybody else off, but he's fixed the economy. Or at least tried to, anyways. And, you know, he's done what he said he's going to do. Now he's just got to learn to, to stay off his phone in the bathroom and off Twitter. <laughs> That's all he's got to do. Yes, uh, um, but modern technology is great. But, like, if you're in a bad mood, don't write nothing. Because I've been there, done that, and I've made that mistake, and I've opened up to it. And don't do it. Because you're going to regret it. It's okay to go in your house and go, oh, my God, that person da, 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 da. but if you write it it's there forever and people are going to think that's the way you are but it's not it's just that you were feeling that at the time yeah yeah and uh you know he used to stick to his teleprompter for his uh for his speeches and not go all willy-nilly on his speeches but i mean like hey like I said, he said he said he was going to help fix the economy, and the economy hasn't been better in the last eight years than it has been now. You know, at least from a Canadian perspective, looking at the U.S. perspective, right? From being a neutral energy worker to understanding how he's doing that, now you know, he's being true. Well, as you know, over here we got a thing called Brexit. When it happens, if it happens. I always don't like the fact that when a side loses, they gripe and groan and say, oh, it was unfair, blah, blah, blah. But I always thought that like, if there's ten people in the room and nine people say you want a McDonald's, you have McDonald's. But the one person yeah. that wants a Wimpy, for example, and then that person gets what they want because they didn't like the result in the first place. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, what I found through both my full-time work and my businesses is you can't please everybody. And, you know, we're all different. We all have different likes and dislikes. So the expectation that what's good for the general masses is good for everybody is a little bit of a silly undertone, I guess, to it. Because everybody's slightly different. Everybody has different tastes, you know, in everything that they do. And so, you know, you have to understand that. You have to work with that to truly, to truly understand where a person, a society, a, a club, an organization is coming from. Well, I really enjoyed our track, Brett. Is there any links awesome. that you would like to mention, or books, or anything? Uh, well, I, like, I, like I mentioned earlier, I am working on a book about some more notable paranormal cases that I had worked on. Um, however, that's still a long ways away. Uh, so if anybody wishes to contact me, my website's probably the easiest because it's got my email. I don't have my phone number on there, but I have my email. That's the, that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Uh, and that's www.upmcambridge.wordpress.com. I am on Facebook, both as Brett Yakabuchi, and I have my webpage or my uh, business page, UPM. And I also have a YouTube channel as well. If you search UPM, there is this manufacturing company that has that same thing too, but they're somewhere in Europe, so I don't have to worry about copyright. Uh, but look me up on YouTube. I have videos dating back to like four or five years ago up there, four years ago. And so they're very aged, 
but if you so wish, there's a whole bunch of really neat snippets that at the time I did little videos on. So check that out, our website, that. And you know what? If you enjoyed this and you get in contact with me, I'm willing to answer any questions at all. All you have to do is ask. Because I'm, I'm an open book like that. I try to help and guide and instruct people who are willing to learn. And, and I look forward to anybody who happens to follow up with this. And thank you very much, Mark. This was truly a pleasure, a great conversation. And, uh, and I look forward to another one, if, if that's in the cards for the future. Well, I, I always do like a little sign-off. You know, it's a little bit of offbeat, but don't don't worry. It's nothing despairingly. Are you ready for it? Sure. Is there anything I need to do? It's entirely up to you. Thank you, okay. Brett, for being on my show. I like the metaphysical, you know. I learned that peace and harmony is the thing. We should all be kind to each other. And I'd like to say thank you for being on my show. And that is it, Brett. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. And that was beautiful, sir. I appreciate it. I appreciate the singing. I appreciate the, the words put together. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you for a great conversation. Thank you. And um, I, I will find... Contact you again one day. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, when I'm when I'm done my book, I'll I'll be looking to advertise for that. So. Oh please come on, I don't mind. Oh yeah, trust me. I enjoyed I enjoyed this show. You and I will be in contact for a lot 